Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Phil Gerbachek and Rick Clemens. Now, if you're wondering, hey, how do I find out about Phil Gerbachek or Rick Clemens? Go to everydaymindfulnessshow.com. You can look up the cast. There's links to their websites, to their information. You can learn all about them. It's a great way to do that. This week, we're talking about quitting. That's right, quitting. And is, is it an, always a bad thing? Can it be a good thing? And this came about when I was listening to the audiobook Think Like a Freak by Stephen Levitt and St- Stephen Dubner. And so here is the discussion that was in the book there, the audiobook. It was about being willing to quit. The quote was, when people quit something that they were generally really worried about quitting, their lives tend to get a little bit better. Even if they didn't get a lot worse, you might argue that it's a pretty good bet. So, Phil, based on that concept, how do you view quitting? Well, I think quitting is a necessary thing. Quitting allows us to say yes to something that's better. Quitting allows us to stop doing something that doesn't serve us. And quitting really is a way to say, you know what? Maybe this was great when I said yes, but it's no longer a great thing. And that's okay. So, I'm going to stop doing it instead of continuing to dread doing it. I actually quit something a couple weeks ago and I think it's a very good thing and it's a natural thing, but that doesn't mean it's easy, not even a little bit. And so that's a great point you bring up there and there. Why is it tough? Why do Rick and Phil, why do you feel it's tough to quit? Well, I think there's an ego thing that shows up. Our egos are such, you know, fiery little beasts within us that, you know, if we feel like, okay, if I do this, there's going to be rejection there's going to be disappointment there's going to be people watching so you know and there's personal stuff you know we may hold ourselves to some really high standards and i think it comes down to what's important to us you know if 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 we're going to quit does that reflect on how we show up you know as a significant being in our life does it reflect you know how we are going to receive love and connection to others so i think you have to look at it's just something deeper overall yeah, I, I totally agree, Rick. I think that's a really great point. We worry, I think first you mentioned, we worry about what others are going to think. And I would say, though, if if we think about how would others feel if they knew that we weren't really 100% committed, it might mm-hmm. be easier to quit. But we don't admit that, right? So what happens is then our own ego 
your second point there gets in our way and our own ego says, no, 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 hold on. I committed to this. I said, yes. And now I'm going to quit. Boy, I, boy, what does that mean to me? But does that mean that I'm a bad chooser? Does that mean my picker's broken? What, what does that mean? And we go through all this crap in our head and we just run through it. When in reality, again, I think the goodness of it is it isn't that we're saying that this isn't for me if we quit. We're saying this isn't for me right now. And I think that's a, a, an important distinction. A good friend of mine, Jonathan Fields of the Good Life Project and podcast always says, no isn't like forever. It's just no, not right now. And I think that's a really good way to look at quitting is if you're saying no to something, it doesn't have to be no for the end of time. It's just it's not a good fit right now. Well, and I think that brings up a great point, which is part of the fear factor, that if I say no right now, they're never going to give me this chance again. Whoever I'm saying no to is going to reject me for life because I've disappointed them. I've, I've let them down. And we, we get that in our heads, which is an interesting parallel of, okay, well, why do you want to be in a project with somebody who so discounts you so easily for not understanding, for not wanting you to be in the right place and right time? But it's hard to see that at the time, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And you said something, Mike, that I want to make sure, I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, but it's FOMO. It's fear of missing out. So if I quit, what am I going to miss out on? Definitely. Yeah, the FOMO, FOMO is, is huge. I think if we realize, again, though, that if, if we pause and we really think about it, Mike, I think you made a really great point, And that is mm-hmm. anybody that would reject us so easily that we said no. For instance, Mike, when you ask people to be on the show, I bet you get some no's and I bet none of them are easy for people saying them. That doesn't mean that you think any less of them, nor would I say on the other side, and this is something to remember, is that a yes also doesn't mean yes forever. And yes doesn't mean that someone's better just because they said yes, just because they didn't quit. It actually could be a sign that it's worse. Yeah, and I think one thing we have to be able to do is enable people around us to quit. Because it makes it easier for us to quit when it's not healthy either. You know, is there is it Zebos out there that, you know, they pay people to quit? I think after the first month or two, because they know that if they'll leave with that amount of money, because of this amount of money they'll pay, they're not in this, they're not the right person for this fit right now. So we'd rather have you quit after a month or two. And when we put the show together, we said that to people, look, if you join the cast and you find, I don't really want to be on any of these shows, you can walk away. Like nobody's feelings are going to be hurt. The last thing we want to do is have somebody in the process who doesn't want to be in the process. You know, I used to always tell parents who they, when I was a coach, they'd put their child in a sport and they'd say to the child, you're never going to quit. You're not going to quit. And as a coach, that's a nightmare for me because if that kid doesn't want to be there, absolutely doesn't want to be there. That's not a good presence for the rest of the team. That's not a good attitude. That's not a good energy to be in in the equation. So I'm okay with them quitting if this isn't the right thing for them. And I think you say the key thing there, whether right now or forever, whatever that means, you know, whatever that is for that person. Yeah, I, Mike, I think that's a great point. And I, I would say this, I'd rather they quit and leave and they're done with it, at least for now, than they quit and they stay right? That's the worst. They quit and they don't really want to be there. And they didn't really tell anybody they quit, but they quit to themselves. And I can tell you, unfortunately, I'll own up to it. I've done that. I've quit and stayed in some projects and some, some relationships that I shouldn't have been in. And that's really tough. That, that does take 
extra mindfulness to, to, you know, to escape that. And it isn't a sign of you being strong because you put up with something, you tolerate something that you really don't want to be part of. I actually now looking at myself more objectively in the past, I would say those were times that I was weaker and wasn't strong enough to say I need to eject sooner. Well, I think the other thing too, that what is the real meaning we as an individual screw society, but we as an individual, what is the meaning we assign to the word quit or quitter for us? We got to get to that true meaning for you. And I think when you can really get there, then you can decide, is this really good that I'm quitting? Is this bad that you got to look at the meaning you're assigning to even good or bad for quitting? And once you can align with that, and go, how much does this align with my true being, my true values, my way of how I want to show up in the world, then you've got your clear path to why you're quitting. Yeah. And I think when you look at it, the sports world that were that many of us can be raised in at some point in our lives or the competitive world, even if not sports, quitting is the ultimate sin in that mentality. You know, you always hear, don't be a quitter, don't be a quitter. TV, media, film, don't be a quitter, don't be a quitter. You know, that's the concept. And so it's such a horrific word in our culture that you, I think you bring up a great point, Rick, is what if you could redefine it for you? Like when I think about it, what if I thought, saw quitting as a release of letting go? That's a whole different concept of letting go of something that's not healthy, that doesn't align with me. Because I think what you said there, Phil, was brilliant about quitting and staying is so much worse. And yet we do it out of guilt. We do it out of shame. We do it out of these things that, that is messed up. And I know, I like you, I've done it too, Phil, which is, all right, I don't really want to be involved with this, so I'll just do as little as possible, right? That's what the mind does at that point. Uh, I'll be as available as little as possible. I'll do as little as possible. And you would have helped the whole team if you just walked away and they would have reassigned those those responsibilities to people who wanted to do them. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. It's hard though. And I think it comes back to, do we really know what we want though? You know, Rick made the point when we see that it's out of alignment. Well, the question is, what is alignment? I mean, do we even know that? And by we, I don't necessarily mean the three of us, but I mean, we, the collective, we, right. Does the world know that? Do, do we even slow down enough to recognize when we're incongruent with the rest of our world? And I would say, when I quit and stay, I don't. I, in fact, I, I, maybe I, I know it and I know I'm going against it, but I ignore it and I forget that that is really important, that congruency is important because I, I know when I'm mindful, I know when I'm really present with myself that that's, that that's not good. But if I'm not or, you know, years ago, I wasn't always aware of even what my values were. They often were thrust upon me based on the job that I had or the, you know, the way that I was raised or whatever, I'm not blaming, just being honest. I think that that causes some, some other challenges. So we have to know first and then we can measure against that second. Well, and here's the irony of this whole conversation today. <laughs> so when I was invited to be on here, I'm like, yeah, I can talk about this. And literally two days ago, I came up against this exact roadblock. <laughs> I was in a space where something triggered me and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to, I'm not going to do this thing that I'm involved in. And when I realized and stepped back, you know, thanks to my husband sitting me down and slapping me around a little bit, that what it was really about was more about the trigger than not wanting to be involved in this project. 
And the more I stepped into that and said, why am I doing this? Why would I quit? What does this really mean to me? If I walk away from this, what grander scale things in my life will also be affected by this? How will this affect me in my business? How will it affect me in my way I show up, you know, doing all the different things I do in my business? How will it affect me as a father? How will it affect me as a husband? And what was really interesting is by the time I went through the entire cycle, which took me about 24 hours to get through, I realized that this piece of quitting is something that often shows up in my life. Not that I'm a huge quitter, but when I get to it, it's more of the screw you quitter than the I'm quitting for a really value, valuable reason. And it was a huge lesson I learned within myself. Yeah. And how uplifting to think I'm doing the right thing versus I'm getting rid of this, right? There's such a right, different, right, right. such a different right. concept. And for people listening, I think sometimes we forget, we think, well, quitting applies to when you've been doing something for a while. No, I think sometimes quitting a pursuit of something can be brilliant before you get it, right? So uh, there was something that I was pursuing a few years ago and I kept pursuing it over a few years. And then I finally stepped back and go, why am I, why am I even pursuing this? What is the reason I'm really, really pursuing this? Like, if I get it, am I going to be really enjoying this? Like, this is the kind of stuff that is not in my wheelhouse. It is not in what I call my unique ability, my gift that I'm on this planet for. And I let go of the pursuit and I quit before it even ever happened. But I think sometimes people go, well, that's not really quitting. It didn't happen. Oh, yeah, it is because you got to give up on the pursuit. This pursuit that is taking you down a path that is stressing you, that's putting you in a place that is not in alignment. So I think quitting can be anything from quitting a pursuit to something you're already deep into. Well, I think the irony there too, Mike, is think about this. If you're pursuing something that you think you're supposed to be doing, that thing you're pursuing is probably having you quit on something else. If you're so much in pursuit of that, what else are you giving up to be in that? So I just changed the language there of giving up. But if I'm in pursuit of this project and I stay in this, even if I don't want to be there, that means I'm giving up, I'm quitting on other areas of my life. So now we take it to that next level of in pursuit of this, what am I actually sacrificing in other areas, which no matter how you change the word, sacrifice, giving up, in a way, you're quitting on those things too. That's so good. Such such a good reminder of that. I, I really like that, guys. I, I couldn't couldn't agree more with that. It quitting it quitting is stopping even before it starts something that no longer serves us after we even thought of a yes. We don't actually have to have gone through and said yes. You know, we could have mentally decided to to pursue it, to Mike's point. I think that's that's brilliant and that really helps. And you know, Seth Godin wrote a book all about quitting as well called The Dip. About the little, you know, it's called the little mm-hmm. book that teaches yep. you when to quit and when to stick. And I think that's the important distinction that we need to remember is that yes, sometimes quitting is a powerful thing, sometimes sticking is a powerful thing, but either way, we need to be present with the the fact that it is indeed a choice. It is not forced upon us. And we need to just be there and, you know, be with that choice and understand what the ramifications are of a yes or a no, of a quit or a stay. 
Well, and I don't know about the two of you, but I often find that if I'm going through that evaluation process of should I keep pursuing this, and I use the word for myself of letting go. I, I don't say quit. I don't know if I should. I don't know one way or the other, but I, I tend to say should I let go of this. That usually if I'm thinking, oh, no, I should, I should, uh, it's a should comment that forces me to stay versus this is the right fit. And it's usually ego driven. It's usually something that's going to give me potential of clout, right? Other people or this. And that's the one that wants to draw you into not quit. Uh, that that self-esteem side of things versus the side of freedom. That if I do not have this in my life, I have more freedom. Freedom to do what I really want to do and follow my passions and my love, my energy, my time with family and loved ones. Uh, I think that for me is often the signal that, ooh, am I doing this because this is going to make me be with a certain group of people and cloud and ego or be held to a higher esteem? That's usually a trap that I'm about to do something. I'm going to wish I had quit before I did it. I don't know if that's true of the two of you. It's very true. Really true. I mean, I think it's that you got to you know, lay it out and go, okay, what's behind this? Some of the things that I've been looking at a lot lately is what's important to me? You know, what is, what is my driving stuff? What's my, what's my driving forces behind why I do things? So for me, I realized in my own work that what drives me is significance and contribution. The third thing that kind of drives me is having a lot of variety in my life. But if I were to think, okay, what's really the things that make Rick tick? It's significance, which can be a negative and a positive, but significance, meaning I want to be a voice. I want to have, you know, a presence in the world that enables me to contribute on wider scale to many, many things, but also being significant as a father to have impact. So I realized those two things are really driving me. So when I now choose to do things, I check in with myself and say, is this feeding my desire, my need for significance and my desire, my need for contribution and feeding the variety bucket? If it checks two of those, I'm pretty sure I'm doing it. If it checks all three of those, there's, it's like a hands down, let's go. Let's go have fun. Let's go play in this arena. That doesn't mean I commit to everything, but if it really charges me up because I know those three things are being met, then I'm, I'm a, let's you know, batter up, let's make it happen. I love it. And, and so then there's the side here of some people listening going, well, what if you're just quitting everything? Like, what if you're, either, you're never sticking, right? You brought up the Seth Godin book. And what if you're never sticking? How do you avoid that trap? And I think that's a myth. I think that very few people out there are never sticking. I think what happens is high achievers think that if they even let go of a couple things, they're falling into the trap of the person who never sticks, forgetting all the other things they're sticking to currently. But they get in that myth of don't be a quitter, don't be a quitter. And so I don't think anybody that's listening right now should ever worry, do I quit too much? The odds of that are really slim. What I would wonder is, are you not finding the right things to stick to? In other words, not that you're quitting too much, that you're on the wrong pursuits. Because if you're in the right pursuits, that's not a question you're asking. I think you're right. I don't think anybody really does quit too much. I think maybe we're starting the wrong things or maybe on the other side, maybe we think that we're quitting too much because we're actually not, definitely not starting enough. So if we're quitting 10 things and we have nothing left, well, that isn't everything, but that is everything. Meaning you didn't quit everything in the world, but everything that you're working on. So I think being, having a little more discernment around what you say yes to in the first place, and then being aggressive have been looking for those things that do align and being open to that. And if they're not there, then creating them yourself, I think is, is very important and very fulfilling 
because a lot of times there, there aren't things that exist that we want to be part of, or maybe we were, you know, maybe we're told no, that we could not be part of them. Maybe somebody else already has them. So we have to create maybe even our own podcast, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, and you get into the trap of sometimes when you're told no, you pursue even harder when maybe the no was a gift to you. Maybe it was a gift to release you from this thing that wasn't the right alignment. And yet we tend to be like, oh yeah, well watch this, <laughs> that kind of a thing. And we dig even deeper versus going, all right, was this a gift, this no? Maybe this was a gift to me. Maybe there's another route. And, and that gift could be that you create your own, like you said, Phil. And maybe it's a totally different version. But if you had just fought from a angry place, you would have probably copied instead of created your own experience. I think there's something else here that's interesting, too, is to think about what's the emotional habit of quitting? A lot of people say, oh, I can never finish anything or I never get anything done or I quit everything I do. That's an emotional habit. And they're getting something from that. That may, and I'm going to go back to my use of the word significance, that may be the only way they ever feel significant is if I quit everything, then I get attention. If I quit everything, then I get love. If I get quit everything, I have variety, you know, in my life because everything I quit gives me another opportunity to do a, quit a different way. So I think that's one thing we got to look at too is what is what is underneath what they're getting by quitting. The other thing that came up as you were talking, Mike, was I, I just remembered this book by Shonda Rhimes, the creator of Grey's Anatomy and and Scandal and all those crazy wonderful shows, and she wrote a book that is called A Year of Saying Yes. I think it's A Year of Saying Yes, something like that. And in the book, she also talks about when she went on this quest to say yes. And it's really interesting because she's very, she was very much an introvert, all this sort of stuff. And she started saying yes to things. She also recognized that in saying yes, she was saying no. And she had this kind of little bit of a, is that, does that mean I'm a quitter mentality that showed up? So I just throw that out here on the fireside chat table and you boys go play with those. Now. <laughs> well, I do think you bring up a good point on an emotional level that if you are always quitting, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. You're, you're either picking the wrong things to stick to in the first place or yeah, you, you could be self-sabotaging, right? And that's mm -hmm. what you're referring mm -hmm. to Rick. There is that self-sabotage that gives me some kind of drama in my life that makes me feel worthy at some level that just sends you down rabbit holes that aren't healthy at all. Well, I mean, this is a, this is not a, a, a really pretty correlation, but you have to think about this. Someone who's in a domestic abusive relationship that won't leave, oftentimes they're getting something from that. That may be the only way they get attention. That may be the only way they feel like they can connect with that person. And, and you know, I come from that arena, um, so I understand it really well. And I think this is that part where they're afraid to quit that relationship because they are getting something from it, even though it's not good stuff most of the time that they're getting, they are getting something out of it. Well, in the the danger there, we want to be really careful for anybody listening. We could have domestic violence survivor listening or somebody who's in that situation right now. Often the perpetrator, the abuser has done so much harm yep. that, that the survivor feels their only value is in that unhealthy relationship. And therefore to, to quit would be to lose all what little self-esteem that I have left or value in this world left. And that's been done by the abuser. They've created an environment. People go, why don't, why don't survivors leave? Because abusers have done so much damage 
that they think they're better in this situation than out. And it's hard to see otherwise or to feel safe. They feel my danger will be more real. So to quit. And that's why maybe this leads us to this. That's why having resources that can help people understand you have a way out becomes pivotally important in that community and to to individuals that are being abused or in those unhealthy, dangerous situations, having a community that can help you. Let's take that. So away from the domestic violence, are we all doing that? Are we all giving ourselves a community that that does support us when it's not in alignment and it's okay to quit? Or are we just playing this game in our own head of what I can and cannot do? Uh, I think community makes a huge difference when we want to quit getting over the fears that we have of how culture or society will treat us. I, I agree, Mike. I think that's a really good point. Community, uh, I would say community also is another C word, and that's choice. If we only have one option, and we don't, and we say no to that one option, now we have zero. That makes it really hard to say no to that one option because then we feel optionless. So I think, you know, we need to remember that for some, we need to really reinforce that you do have the choice that even that it's not binary. It isn't one or nothing. It is one or something else. Even if the something else isn't available right this second, there are other choices. It is available to you and it is available to us, right? It is okay to, to choose ourselves or to choose, you know, that there isn't a community right this second, but focus on, you know, if you can find a community, if you can't, then choose yourself, right? That, but that's hard. That, that, that's really, really hard. That is hard. And, and I think sometimes the community, when people hear that, they might misunderstand. I'm saying that one person, maybe, maybe it's yes. that one person you can call and no, will not judge, will be there for what you need. And if that moment in your life, letting go of that, quitting that is what you need. They'll understand that. And they'll be like, hey, it's, it's going to be okay. You're, this is going to free you. But who's the voice? Because we all know there's certain voices we should not call in that moment who love us dearly, who we love to talk to, but are not the right person in that moment. And so I, I know there's you know a handful at most of people I would call at a moment like that. A handful because I can trust the experience I'm going to have in that moment that's going to be supportive, loving, understanding, and not caught up in society realms if you can't quit, but actually understanding what is needed right now for you, for your best health, for the best situation you're in. You know, as you were talking, guys, something kind of cropped up in my mind. I'm spending a lot of time in Tony Robbins' world right now, and he says something about this choice. I'm so glad you brought this up, Phil. If you have one choice, you actually don't have a choice. If you have two choices, you have a dilemma. But if you have three choices or more, now you really have a choice. And so I think in this quitting mode, it would be an interesting way to apply. If I feel like I'm quitting and I'm only looking at one choice, then you don't have one. If you've got two things, you're kind of more in a dilemma and you'll keep bouncing back and forth. But when you bring that third, fourth or fifth option in, now you really get to choose. So I think in, when we're in quit mode, go, okay, what are at least three possibilities here that I can choose from? Because when I have three, now I'm probably going to make a really wise choice about quitting. That's brilliant. And I love the. And by the way, we always have two because one is to stay where I'm at. Yep. Two is to leave where I'm at. So all you got to do is come up with one more. <laughs> I mean, that's seriously all you got to do and say, okay, is the third one, I would pursue something new over here. Maybe I don't even know what it is. Maybe I'm going to read and research. That's option number three. But that two is maybe I do nothing for a little while. 
And then the first one is, do I stay where I'm at? So you can come up with the three really easy. I love this. That's such a great skill set we can give people. The two of you have given us such a great conversation here, Phil and Rick. What are books that you have read that you felt? Now, we brought up Seth Godin's. What are books that you feel that help people have that freedom to release themselves from those moments where they feel they can't quit? I'm going to go back to Shonda Rhimes' book, A Year of Saying Yes. And I love it because it's her real life story when she committed to, I'm going to say yes. So again, I'm going to just, you know, frame this beautiful, successful, highly sought after writer of hit TV shows in Hollywood. And she never went out. She wouldn't go out in public. She had kids. She was kind of overweight and she just holed up in her world. One of her, I think it was a cousin or a sister finally said to her, you need to get out. You need to start living. You need to start saying yes. And so the whole book takes us through her journey of a year of everything she started saying yes to and all the things she learned about the power of yes, which also inspired her to let go of things, not quit, let go, even though she had that dilemma, oh, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. So I would highly recommend that book. It's interesting that you say that. I have that book downloaded. I've yet to listen to it. So thank you for that, Rick. I guess I typically think of this from a business perspective. I spend more work probably on my business than I do on myself. So I, I would say, you know, go back to the dip. It'll take you 90 minutes to read, maybe two hours if you read slow, but really think about it. Think about all the things that Seth mentions in there. Look at the kind of the silly charts and then think about what are my choices? You know, just add that third choice in there. I think, Rick, that was a brilliant ad there that helps from Tony Robbins. I, th- I think, and then just be present. I mean, you're, you're your own best resource when it comes to that. So ask yourself that question. Am I in alignment? Am I not? Do I know what my values are? Do I not? Do the hard work on yourself. Don't worry so much about, you know, finding the perfect book or the perfect answer. Just find it within yourself to ask yourself and find that third choice. And Phil, I want to add to something you just said. When you said you're your own best resource, 100% agree. And I also want people to really take that in heart that you're also your own best resource for knowing who is your community. Who are those people that can best help you in the letting go quitting arena? And then next time something else comes up, who are those next best people to help you in whatever you're feeling? quelling your anger. Who are your next best people for learning how to really be fully present in a loving relationship? Don't rely on the same group of people to do everything for you. I truly believe variety is the spice of life. So you have lots of little clusters of communities that this is my entrepreneurial go-to group. You know, Mike and a few other people, and I have a feeling Phil's going to become one of those are kind of like my speaking group that I go, I'm, I'm just, guys, I'm, I'm over this, you know? Find the groups that actually fit that really, really work for you. Don't rely on one community to do it all for you. Love it. Thank you both so much for everyone listening and watching right now thinking, hey, how do I find these two incredible people? It's Phil Gerbacek, Rick Clemens. That's what you look up when you go to everydaymindfulnessshow.com in the cast and you'll find links to them. You can get a hold of them. You can ask some questions and go to their website, get all that information. We even have some freebies that you can download right there. You don't have to sign up for things. They're completely free. Just download them right off everydaymindfulnessshow.com. If you're listening, go to iTunes. It's the easiest way to subscribe and to get every week's episodes. Until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life. 
three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.